I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Margot, a 39-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as Black, British, bisexual, and currently in an open relationship. She also travels widely and lives for extended periods in other parts of the world. I'm so pleased to introduce Margot. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I, I don't know if I'm excited or terrified, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think both are appropriate. <laughs> but it's not talked about enough. So it's, you know, it, it's a worthy cause. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. So the first question I want to ask you about is how you discovered sex, whatever that means to you. Huh. So when I went to school, we had sex ed, but sex wasn't. So I went to a Catholic school. Mm. So we got the, the whole tampon in, the, in the, the glass science tube thing. And that's all I really remember about that. I don't remember them actually talking about sex. They might have, but it was a while ago. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as my parents were concerned, definitely not talked about. And actually, my parents slept in separate bedrooms, so it wasn't oh. even – like once, I think I remember once as a kid randomly walking into looking back now with sex, but that was like once in my entire childhood. Was that something that was usual among your friends, that your parents slept separately, or do you think that was very particular to their relationship? It was very specific to their – well, there was a couple of things with their relationship. One was uh, my dad snores. Ah. Um, two, they worked semi-different schedules. And three, there was not a happy marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Are they still together? I have no idea. Oh. I, left, I left home at 17 and have never been back. Oh, Wow. So you really were out on your own very young. Yeah. So I interrupted you. I'm, I'm interested to hear more about how that developed, but I interrupted you to, uh, about the question of how did you discover sex? Oh, yeah. Um, so now I'm thinking about it. I'm not really sure how. I know. Ooh, I had a friend. So I used to work at McDonald's, and I had a friend who slept with lots of people and so she'd tell me about it but I didn't have like a, a, a an actual knowledge about and this was before the internet and so it's not like I was looking on tv or what have you 
there's a couple of instances that I remember that stick out in my mind. One was back in the day, it was VCRs. And I was the one in the household that knew how to work our VCR to record, I don't know, whatever it might be in advance and that sort of a thing. It so happened that I went to record something for my mom and there was a video it stuck in the VCR and like it spooled and it had made a mess. I then discovered later that it was a porn video <laughs> that my dad had been watching and my mom lost it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was one thing I remember. And then a second thing I remember was I was a dancer. And so I used to spend a lot of time traveling around and dancing. And there was one time where we all slept over at my friend's house because she had this big, basically mansion thing. And we all had bedrooms each and sort of a thing. And we were all paired up with different people. And I was paired up with my friend. And we slept in the same bed, but ended up like cuddling. And I, I must have been 15 or 16 at that stage. Uh -huh. But it was very interesting because we'd all be swapping clothes. So you get to see everyone's bodies and that sort of a thing. It wasn't a sexual nature, but it was also kind of like at that stage of life, everyone's, some people have boobs, some people don't. Yeah. Like these whole differences. And so I don't remember it being a sexual thing per se, but I do remember people being like touching each other and comparing. Uh-huh. Um, but as for sex, sex, like losing my virginity, that happened when I was 17 with obviously now my ex-boyfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'd read a bit about it and was basically under the impression that it was better to be at least slightly drunk and to do it with someone who'd had sex before because my ex-boyfriend had had previous girlfriends. And so that was my plan was to find wow. someone who'd had sex before and do that thing. Yeah. And how did that work out for you? Choosing someone who'd had sex before and being slightly drunk. <laughs> when I say slightly drunk, I did jello shots. So I don't really think I was drunk. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, it worked out from what I can remember. It was a while ago. It worked out fine. It wasn't painful. It was a little weird and uncomfortable because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to feel. And there wasn't enough information out there for me at that time to sort of research or, or, or even I didn't even have the bad porn area to look at. I just had nothing. And I yeah. didn't really um, have friends per se that that would be a conversation that I would have. It sounds like you had sex because you just wanted to have sex, not because you were in a relationship with someone who you were so in love with that this was the next logical step. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> there was an agenda. And were you happy once it was complete? Were you happy that you had done it that way? Uh, I don't know if happy is the right word. It was just it was done. That was that. Mm -hmm. Did you continue to have sex with him? Yeah, we were together for about a year, a year uh -huh. and a half, I think. Yes. Did it get better over time? I don't remember. Probably. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember anything negative. So that's probably a, a good thing. And let's talk about masturbation. Did Had you discovered masturbation before you had sex? No. <laughs> when did you find figure that out? Okay, so I hadn't figured out masturbation. I did have, I, I guess, the equivalent of wet dreams from maybe eight or nine. Mm -hmm. I definitely 
remember sort of waking up and feeling a little weird and not necessarily knowing what that was, just waking up and feeling weird. And that definitely happened um, from about eight or nine onwards and still happens. But as far as masturbation is concerned, must have been after I was married and divorced. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so what about this? This is interesting. <laughs> Well, that's why we have these conversations here, because we don't talk about this. So you you went through an entire marriage without having sort of explored self-pleasure and maybe even what your own body desired. Correct. And it was a 10-year marriage. <laughs> oh, wow. So, uh, God, I have so many questions. <laughs> so how how old were you when you after you got divorced around the time that you did discover it? Okay, so I got married when I was 18. So I must have got divorced when I was 28. So that 29, 30. I was in the process of getting divorced. I was separated. I was in a different country. And um, because my husband had only slept with me, I felt that I didn't have any experience in anything because I'd only slept with two people, my ex-boyfriend and my husband. Mm. And so my next mission, should I choose to accept it, was to find someone who had a boatload of experience and try and learn some stuff. And I kind of had internet access now, but still not the way I have internet access today. I was in a country, I still am, in a country where people don't really talk about it. So it makes it slightly difficult. In fact, people would come to me to talk about it, assuming that I knew because I was the foreigner. And I was just kind of like, I was, I've been married for 10 years. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, and so to this day, I'm still learning. It's, a, it's an ongoing process. You mentioned that you had gotten married at 18. You had only had one prior sexual partner. So Going into that marriage, I assume not having a ton of experience about what you enjoy and, and how your body works, how did you navigate sex in that marriage? Like, was it pleasurable for you? Did you know how to um, advocate for your desires? Didn't know what my desires were, so no need for advocation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did I enjoy it? Yes. Um, didn't get to learn how to give blowjobs, which was kind of awesome because he was so big that it, and my mouth. This is useless because people won't see video, but I can only put kind of hungry. Like three fingers isn't going to happen. So I didn't get to, I didn't know about that. It got to the point where I was 30 something and I was asking my best friend at the time, I was kind of like, hey, so you're into that blowjob thing tips and she's like <laughs> how old are you and what the hell um so it was fun it was pleasurable it was fine there was some side issues it was a lack of knowledge on both sides oh, so my my husband comes from an african country i'm just going to say africa because i say really specific and sure. so there was a whole other thing there as well because in that particular country it was known for um having multiple marriages and weddings and that sort of a thing and also he you know worked with the family and so didn't really ever have his own space and then next he's married in this foreign country because we were in Europe and so there was a lot of other things that that 
came along with that. And then other members of his family came over. And so we were never living alone. And you know, there was just lots of lots of different things and, and education and money and jobs. Because, you know, when you, you move to another country, you can't work straight away. And so there was a lot of different things mixed in with the sex. Yeah. Was the sex good? Yeah. Yeah, we had fun. It was it was fine. We were both happy, but then again, we had no real baseline. So yeah, what you don't know can't hurt you. <laughs> so I want to talk some about your relationship with your body um, and how that has affected your relationship with sex. What is your relationship with your body, and has that changed through the years? Well, right now, um, almost hitting forty. Things are changing that they don't also tell you about. <laughs> and not necessarily big things, but small things like I used to be able to like zip up my dresses and now it's just that little bit harder. Um, but from a sex standpoint, um, I now have friends that I talk to about these sort of a things. I now pay more attention to my body, my periods, because um, I had some scares with some stuff. I've had a, a miscarriage that I and I didn't know I was pregnant, didn't know I had a miscarriage, figured it out later because, again, there's just not information out there. Wow. Um, as far as what sort of my sexuality, I got to explore being with women, being with men, being with groups, being with couples, um, toys, fetishes, um, going to events, going to play parties. I, I, I've got to experience a whole bunch of stuff, and it's, it's awesome, and I still get to do it. But life and time also get in the way. Like you still have to have a job and earn money and be in the right country. For example, all the stuff I'm talking about, not doing it in the country I'm currently in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a thing. Um, but I do it in, in other countries or with other people. And so actually what I've ended up is sort of this little network around the world of, of people that I visit and talk to and, and do stuff with, which is quite nice. So, um, do you mentioned before we started taping that you're in, currently in an open relationship. Mm -hmm. So how does that work for you? Great. Um, and it's open for various reasons. So one of the reasons is we live in different countries. Um, one of the other reasons is he has family stuff and so wants to stay around for that. He doesn't want necessarily want to live where he's living, but because of the situation with his family and everything, that is what he's doing at this time. I have no desire to live in that particular country. <laughs> and um, also because we, when we started dating, it was long distance in the first place. So nothing's really changed. We both spend a good amount of time in each other's houses and a good amount of time traveling together. And so it was open to start with because when we first started dating, we weren't really dating. We just realized that we spent a year in the same sort of cities around the world. And so... I guess we're dating. It was an accident, <laughs> uh -huh. a, ha a happy accident. But it's um, that's we just sort of fell into a relationship rather than purposefully being like, I'm going to date you. We also both have two different kinds of jobs that don't facilitate it being easy to date people who have nine to five jobs. Uh -huh. And so it works out really well. We both have some, I have more flexibility, but we both have flexibility to travel and we both have flexibility to be in each other's countries without too much red tape and hassle for like two or three months, not, not like six months or a year sort of a thing. And as far as the open thing, it means that I still get to sleep with women. And so I, I, 
I don't know if either of us get more out of it. I think it depends what country we're in and what we're doing, because uh, sometimes we're just too busy and working. <laughs> um, so it's not open necessarily because we have to have it open. We, I mean, we've probably been monogamous for the past year or so, but not through intention. It's just, you know, stuff happens. But if there's sure. an opportunity, then we would do something else. And so that's interesting. Uh, you said that um, it allows you to continue sleeping with women. Is that your primary interest outside? If you have an established relationship with a man, is your interest in having your extracurriculars be primarily with women? Like, is you, is all of your energy for a man taken up with your partner? I would say 80% of the time, yes. But I would say there's like that odd 10% where I'm in a different country or something happens. Um, but yeah, that I would say that's about right. Yeah, interesting. So how often do you and your partner get to see each other? This year, it's about every month or so, but for like two weeks or a month. Okay, for example, this year, we spent January and February together in my place. We spent some of March in his place. April, we're apart. May, <laughs> we're together in his place and then down to my place. <laughs> May, June. June. I'm spending June up there, a part of July. August, we're going to be apart. Half of September, we're going to be apart. Then September, October, we're going to be traveling together around the world. Uh, September, October, that's October. Then November, we might be apart. We haven't figured that out yet. December, we're going to be together. So like, yeah. wow. <laughs> that it's funny you said that you know scheduling with Polly seems like a lot to me that seems like a lot too <laughs> but I love to travel and he loves to travel so it's all good how does the real the energy of the relationship um, maintain between times of seeing each other when you see each other do you have to get to know each other again or no. is it is it's already always right there yeah it's always right there yeah. And what do you do to maintain that connection when you're not together? Are you sexting? Are you video chatting? Are you having phone sex? Like, how do you maintain that sexual connection when you're not together? So we've been together now for about seven or eight years. We, we lost track. So to start with, there was a lot of messaging, a lot of photos, not sex. Nope, I'm lying. We used to like he'd be masturbating and I'd be messaging. Um, we used to do that a lot, but the problem is it takes up so much freaking time. So we had to like stop <laughs> to narrow that down. It was like, okay, I have this amount of time. If you can do it in that time, that's great. If not, we can't, I need to like, um, and over the years it's got less because we know we're both, we're at a certain stage in both of our businesses that we can't afford to take two hours off to be like, we're just going to sit and do this. And like I said, where he lives, not kind of the thing you want to be doing. But now I think it's a case of we know each other's expectations. He's the adventurous one as far as he's always like, hey, I've got a new app. Look, I found this new thing. And I'm very – because he like, he's more of the extrovert and more, I'm more of the introvert. So he always wants to meet new people and he's always like trying stuff. And I'm like, hey, people suck. <laughs> I, like, I don't see you, so I'd like to hang out. Like we almost had to make a rule. It's like, okay, when I see you, can I at least get a day before you're like, oh, look at all this stuff.
Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. For him, it's a um, it's a fun thing. The sex is a fun thing. Or well, even with other people, it's just like entertainment for him. Whereas for me, I have a very different approach, I guess. So if I'm going out and having sex, it's very much almost like Domino's Pizza. It's kind of like, okay, that person, 30 minutes in, do whatever and leave. Whereas he'd be like, I'll take him to dinner, have a date, and be all nice and charming and sweet. So he's very much that person. I'm very, I'm very much to the point. That's really interesting uh, to hear you describe the different approaches to sex. That's not something I've talked to people about before, but it's it's really interesting. Yeah, that we do all have sort of our own way that we fit sex into our lives. Yes. Yeah. And it's something that was a struggle, actually, in our relationship for a bit, because you always want the other person to think and feel exactly the same way you do. And I was like, why are you spending so much time? You say you don't have time. And it's spending hours texting this person. I don't understand. Um, and it took, a, it took a while and a lot of conversation. Um, because at one point I was like, well, you spend more time talking to them and I'm right here. Um, but it just took sort of talking and understanding and being open to understanding it from a different point of view, which can be really hard sometimes. Yeah, very hard. Do you remember the kinds of conversations you had that helped you to get to that understanding of each other? I had to ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. um, I had to ask why, especially is because on one side, they're messaging at the same time, they're complaining. Or as soon as I, I see that there's going to be a message, I'm like, well, that's my afternoon done because you're going to be like messaging. <laughs> um, so it was a case of, okay, why are you doing this? What's your intention behind it? Um, because there's also times of, well, we're in separate countries. It would make more sense for you to kind of date someone in your own country. Just saying. And so there was that. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But let me know because 
you know, be polite. And so there was also that thing that came into it, but it was asking questions, asking why, asking why again, asking why under different situations, also making sure I wasn't asking, I don't know, when I was on my period (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, I'd I'd have to pick, I'd have to pick my, and it was a learning process. Um, But also I have a habit of, or I had, I've gotten better at it actually, of waiting to talk to him about something when we saw each other and I'd have this like list of stuff and he'd feel bombarded understandably so so oh I used to write like long emails because I felt that I could explain myself better in an email or I'd wait till we were trapped in a car on a long road trip and have the conversation because I wouldn't have to look him in the eye to have the conversation because my face is very expressive and so I don't want him to see any of this while I'm talking about this other stuff so there was a lot of things that happen and it was a progression but mainly asking the questions and trying to understand from a different point of view and also explaining my point of view um what without degrading the other person's feelings which is also super hard what types of agreements or boundaries or rules do you have to make your open relationship work um so this has evolved over time but right now the rules are do be safe Do you have any specifics about what that means? So, yeah, we tend to, condoms are a must, blowjobs not happening unless there's a condom involved. Um, Ask the person about their sexual, I mean, people can lie, but, you know, ask the people about their sexual experiences. Um, If they've been checked regularly for STDs, when's the last time they got checked? You know, if we can see that, that would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the other rules are kind of, it shouldn't be someone that you see regularly. There shouldn't be someone that you see once a week because then, you're basically in a relationship. I mean, you might not think you are, but you kind of are because you're seeing them more often than you're seeing me. Yeah. It's good if it's someone who's met me. It's gotten to that stage because, like, yes, I'm a real human being. Yes, I'm here a lot of the time. Like, And that's only because of past experiences. I didn't care to start with. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, whatever. I trust you. But then when women, it kept on happening time and time again. Yeah. Um, like, we'd meet people and then a ghost. And it's just like, I, I'm not a bad human. Like, And I try really, really nicely. It's better if people are up front. If they're up front and saying, like, I don't want to, you know, I want anything to do with your girlfriend, that's so much better. Huh. So much better. Just be up front about it. Just be like, I'm not interested in your girlfriend. I'm interested in you. That's totally fine because he can still sleep with her. He doesn't have, they don't have to sleep with me. That's not even, like, part of the equation. But people are not very upfront in what they, they want sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and if they are, it's great. Um, and, <laughs> Any other rules? Um, generally, not sort of a week. Well, not sort of like three days before I turn up. You can you can wait. Um, <laughs> or you know, three days before he turns up, I, I could wait. No group sex. That's kind of it. Do you remember how you felt about your body the first time you had sex? Like, was there were there any nerves about how you looked to your partner? No. No. That was never a thing. It's probably more of a thing now than it is. It was then. Okay, so that's my next question. What what is what's it like now? So my partner is younger than me, and so however looks older. So like he's getting gray hair and stuff, and I I am not. Um, <laughs> and so it's always funny when people ask our ages because they that if they don't know anything about me, like it's different if I say oh, I've been married for ten years and I did this and this other thing, then you know you do the math. But if you don't know these things about me, we look the same age or I look younger. 
but I'm more conscious of my body now because I'm getting older. I've seen the changes, but I also care less. Like I've seen the changes and can I be bothered to do all the exercise that I should do? It means going out and also where I am. If I, I used to go to the gym when I used to work in corporate and I just get looked at because I'm so different here. And then it makes you feel uncomfortable and you don't want to go to the gym. So the likelihood of me going to the gym is nil. I'm lucky that if I put on weight, I put on weight everywhere. There's like, I, you know, I, I, I have more of a stomach than I used to. I'm never going to have the dancer's body again. But I'm, I'm okay with that. But I am a little self-conscious. I'm also more self-conscious of sort of smells and, mm. and that sort of a thing. Only because I feel I notice it far more than my partner does. My partner doesn't seem to notice. And I'm very much like, I'm going to go shower. I'm going to go shower. I'm still going to go shower. <laughs> um, yeah. Takes out the spontaneity, but I'm, I, I've gotten more paranoid in my old age. And I'm not really sure why. It was interesting because I read a Reddit thread recently. And it was like, what is things that people should know about sex that they didn't know? And one comment was that vaginas uh, are, are so acidic that they will stain your underwear. And mm-hmm. it's normal. No one, no one talks about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the first time I, I read some version of that and my mind was blown because I was like, I, I always thought there was something terribly wrong with me. <laughs> like, oh, it's, I really shouldn't. Part of my body shouldn't disintegrate stuff. That's not, <laughs> that's not right. Um, so that was, it was great to see that. And people going, really? Is that a, is that a thing? Oh, but yeah, because your your partners see it and they're kind of like, uh, okay, <laughs> you deal with your underwear. I'm not sure what's going on. You're gonna, you know, disintegrate other parts of me. Yeah. Also, over the years, so I had a mini stroke when I was in my twenties. So that made me more aware of my body too. Oh wow. Um, so birth control. I've always been on birth control since about the age of. Well, just after I got married, so 18, I should have been on it earlier. But um, I, because I'd stopped dancing, I started getting periods on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And they were ridiculously heavy and to the point that I would faint. And so got put on birth control. And I've been on birth control ever since. And I don't want kids, so I'm very much okay with that. But um, so birth control is a thing. Learning about that masturbation, that's a thing. I'm being bought toys now to play with, discovering things like choking or discovering that I'm my nipples are super sensitive or discovering that it's not a bad thing. Discovering what an orgasm is. Oh, my God. So this was this was uh, a thing that I discovered, obviously, in my 30s. Um, Never got told what an orgasm was supposed to be. Didn't really watch porn. Didn't talk about it with anyone didn't know there were different types of orgasms. Not everyone has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, learned so much more about that because I used to think that I didn't orgasm. I thought it was I, – I, I enjoyed myself. It was fun. I felt a thing, but, like, I had this misconception after reading some books of, you know, the the, the mountains crumble and everything feels wonderful, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> That's not always, sometimes, great, but that's not always the case. And so, um, and then I learned I was multi-orgasmic and I was like, oh shit, well, I've been missing out on this for like decades. Um, (laughs) How did you discover that? My ex-boyfriend had a girlfriend who like orgasmed once and then like was one and done. And he's like, you keep coming, you know that's what you're doing, right? I'm like, 
Oh. Oh, okay. Thanks. Oh, so you were doing it. You just didn't know. Just didn't know. Oh, that's interesting. And then he made it his mission to be like, okay, so you need to figure this out. Um, (laughs) So that was interesting. Um, Realizing that some men are really bad at giving instructions for blowjobs or just kind of sit there. That's, and I, I, because that was like the first person I was giving blowjobs to, I thought that's kind of how it went. And then discovering other men who are like awesome and, and like give feedback and, and say stuff. And so that changed my mind because I was totally over blowjobs. I was like, yeah, that's not a thing I want to do. Don't care. <laughs> and I'm still not a huge fan of it, but depending on who I'm with will make it better or worse. I'm a big fan of of being given instructions because I, I don't like doing something if I don't know that I'm good at it. <laughs> and so if I'm giving a blowjob to a man and he's not giving me any feedback, my assumption is that I'm not doing it well, so I don't want to do it. <laughs> My my current partner has been great about giving me instructions. I know exactly what he likes. And now he's like, oh, I love that. And and so it's it's awesome. So to any people with penises who are listening to this, feedback, such a good thing. <laughs> please, please, please. Yeah, I, the silence thing is such a turn off. Um, yeah. And also, can you know, affect your psyche? Because you're like, so what am I... What? Uh, how am I supposed to enjoy this if you're not enjoying it? If I can't see exactly. or hear that you're enjoying it, how is this fun for me? Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's the thing. Women are totally different. Women, uh, oh, women give a lot of feedback. It's just very different from what I've, the women that I've slept with, it's, well, except for one or two, it's been more um, soft and about exploring the body and and kissing and that, that sort of a thing. It's, it tends to be very different apart from a few of my friends where we're far too similar and then it's, it, which is fun actually. It's fun finding someone who's similar to you because then you get to explore on someone else, which you, I mean, exploring huh. on yourself is great, but exploring on someone who's similar to you. So you're like, oh, I'm not crazy when this thing happens or if I do this thing is, is fascinating. Huh. I love that. So, what kinds of touch do you most enjoy, sexual touch? So what I've discovered over the years is that any part of my body is sensitive. I've, I've had someone lick me, which I didn't realize was happening. And under normal circumstances, I'd have been like, uh, no, but it was great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, anywhere on my body, um, in between my, my um, there's got to be a word for this. In between my, the crook of the my arm. The inside of your elbow? Yes, inside <laughs> of my elbow, the crook of my arm. Because the outside is the weenus, but I don't know the inside. <laughs> inside of my, my thighs, my legs, my, my ankles, my feet, doesn't really matter. Any, any touch, as long as it's light, I don't mean like heavy, well, heavy touch. I mean like light touch, mm-hmm. I, I found is wonderful for me. So as long as it's light, it could be scratching or tickling or different qualities of touch, but as long as they're light. Yeah, minus the tickling. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. And what about your hard red lines? What are some of the things that you just absolutely don't do? Tickling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm, What do I hate? Anything to my ears. People like put tongues in ears. No. Any bodily fluids. Um, well, when you say that, what does that mean? That like you, you don't want ejaculate on you or does that mean pee and poop? Okay. So you're right. Pee, poop, vomit, blood. No. Um, ejaculate below the neckline. Generally it makes me dry heave. Yeah. 
not my thing. Um, what else is a hard no? That's kind of – I'm sure there is stuff that I just don't know about, but that's yeah. kind of it, I think. When did you realize that you were interested in women or attracted to women? Oh, when I was about 16 or 17. And that, so that was never a confusion for you? No. It confused the hell out of me. <laughs> it took me a really long time to come to terms with the fact that I couldn't just check. Like, for a long time, I thought, oh, I must be straight. And then I thought, what? Well, I also kind of like girls. Okay, so then that must mean I'm a lesbian. But I also kind of like guys. And there, there was no option for that in my world. It was terribly confusing that, that I couldn't check one or the other box. It took me a really long time to come to the understanding that bisexual is also an acceptable option. <laughs> I think it wasn't confusing for me because I never had to talk about my sexuality. It was assumed that I was straight because I was married at 18. Mm. And so it never really came up. I mean, it came up with my husband because we'd gone out a couple nights and he's like, that girl's looking at you and you're looking at her. Up at that. But... <laughs> It was never really brought up outside of that, because once you're married, people make assumptions. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. Whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener, I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show.
we finish up, let's do the quick five. Five quick questions we'd usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you schedule sex or is it spontaneous? A bit of both. <laughs> oh, you say that as if there's something's bad about that. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, you can't, yeah, a bit of both because of work or because of sometimes we get so lost that it's a case of if we don't do this, we'll like go and play games or do something else. And so, yeah. Do you enjoy direct stimulation to the clit or do you prefer the hood be touched or not touched at all? Ooh, combination of hood and clit, but more hood probably. How do you feel when a partner loses or can't get an erection or get wet if you're with a woman? Um, so what I would say is there's no necessarily feeling behind it. I want to make sure that they're okay. There's no pressure because there's so many thousands of other different ways to pleasure me. So not really an issue. Do you enjoy dirty talk during sexual encounters? Yes, I'm incredibly awkward at it. Oh, really? So you enjoy hearing it, but not giving it or you enjoy it both ways? It's just awkward. I enjoy it both ways. I'm just terrible. I, or I feel that I'm terrible at it. Uh huh. I I have always felt the same way. And what I have found helps is um, going to a site like Literotica and reading <laughs> Literotica. <laughs> yeah. Um, and reading. And then it like puts some ideas in my head of some things that I might say. Ooh, all right. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm here to serve. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for doing this. This has been such a pleasure to talk with you. I'm glad it was useful. And I'm glad you talked about things that you hadn't got to talk about before. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash good girls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, 
I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. Oh, 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 oh,